Let's uh, go to Exodus 15 this morning, and uh, we'll continue with this that we've been on concerning a covenant of healing. <coughs> and um, we've been starting these sessions with those three things that we must always believe. And uh, the first one is, I have to always believe what God said about himself. What did God say about himself? What you believe about God determines your expectation from God. And your expectation is proof positive of what you believe. Uh, faith is substance of things hoped for. Hope is a picture. Hope is expectation. Hope is what you have uh, prepared to walk into. And, uh, you know, especially in our circles, uh, we're quick to talk about faith. And, uh, but faith is just one part of the equation. What are you expecting? And uh, this is so vital because uh, I... Uh, you know, someone will say, well, I'm expecting to be healed. Are you expecting to be healed or you just want to be healed? Or you desire to be healed? There's a difference. There's a difference between wanting it and expecting it. Uh, you know, in the natural, someone can want a child, but they're not expecting a child. Right? The, the, the expectation came out of the want. And so... I have to believe what God said about himself. And uh, that's crucial because uh, in the, the society that we live in, you know, a lot of people are saying different things about God. And, and, and uh, what did God say about himself? That's key. Number two, what God said about his word. I have to always believe what God said about his word that's going to be very key today in what we're talking about uh, what God said about his word I have to always believe that uh, because uh, you know we we quote readily that the word is truth and and that's the verse that revolutionized my life but John 17 17 but you know what did God say concerning his word uh, to, to be a person of the word, I have to go with what God said about his word. Everything that God said about his word. That, uh, you know, the tremendous prayer meeting that we had last night. Oh, my Lord, God Almighty. I just, I didn't want to leave. And, but, <laughs> hallelujah. But. It is, it is, it is under, the reason I reference that is because there's things that God said. He said, where two or three of you gather in my name, I'm there. And uh, he started talking to us about the glory and the things that the glory was going to produce. And, and uh, I got a text from a person that was watching from the Kansas location. They said, my Lord, we're, we're in the same atmosphere here. And. But you've got to believe what God said about his word. You know, just to say the word is truth, that is, that is a given because that's what the word says. But what did, I got to believe everything God said about his word. Everything. And uh, thirdly, I've got to always believe what God said he would do. Now, they all go together. If I don't know what God said about himself, and I don't know what God said about his word, I'll not know what God will do. I just won't. And that can seem elementary, uh, but it's crucial. It's, it's, it's a pivot point in, uh, in a person's walk with God. Uh, now here in Exodus 15 and verse 26, of course, he said this. He said uh, concerning his people, that if we diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and do what's right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all of his statutes, 
I will allow none of these diseases upon you that I have allowed upon the Egyptians. And then why is that for I am the Lord that heals you? I am, blank check, I am whatever you need me to be. I am that. Uh, you know, that's, that's another thing that's so imperative is this is what God said about himself. And to say I am infers a etern a, an, an eternal existence. I am. All right, well, if I am, then that means I was, and that means I will be. I am. This is what I am. Hallelujah. I, I am a man. I have always been one. I will always be one. I am that. All right, the things of God are not changing. They're not shifting. They're not true today and not true tomorrow. I am. And then notice what he says. I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. I eternally exist by myself. I am Jehovah and I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. I am eternity. I'm not going to change that. This is what I am. All right? God, when God says, I am, it updates every day. I am. And uh, see, that's what God said about himself. Uh, experience doesn't change what God is. And it doesn't change what God said about himself. Well, I know somebody that had this experience. It doesn't change what God said about himself. That I am your healer. And then in uh, Exodus 23 and uh, verse 25, he said, you shall serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water and take sickness away from the midst of you. And there will nothing cast their young or be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. A number of translations say, I will turn infir infirmity from you. Once as I, the Lord, will take away any sickness you may have. So again, we see he says, I'm your healer. And then he says, uh, if you have it, I'll take it. That's important. Because people watching online, maybe even here, you've got it. You can't deny you've got it. But he said he'll take it. Faith is not denial. People that call faith denial will just stay sick. That's just, that's just the way it is. And because faith is substance, faith is reality. Faith is, is uh, uh, giving substance to the thing that I'm hoping for. And so... I've, I've got to settle this that, okay, if I have it, he'll take it. But I've got to really settle that. That's what God said about himself. If I have it, he'll take it. Glory to God. Then in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, and uh, verse 8, he said, because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, which is always a, a, a shadow of Satan and the world, the world system. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, that, that, that's crucial because this is what God's saying about himself. In, in other words, the Bible says in Titus 1, 2, God cannot lie. So he says here, the God that cannot lie says he is God. You remember what the Bible says when the people were trusting in Egypt? Anybody remember what the Bible says about that? You remember? You don't remember. You want me to help you? Okay, it says this. It says, God said to people that were trusting in Egypt, he said, don't say in your heart, I'm going to go down and put my trust in Egypt and in Pharaoh. He said, Pharaoh is not God. 
but a man. Right? And he said, but you're putting your trust in Pharaoh and his iron chariots. I'm God. Right? See, this is so important. Because God's not just making much of himself. He's giving us something to build our faith. God is God. He is God. And not only is he God, he's the faithful God. All right? That cares for us like a, a father cares for, their, for their, their little child. Or a nurse cares for a, a nursing child. The issue is what God's trying to get across to us is this is that no matter what you face, I'm faithful to you, and I'm going to make sure that you come out of it for the better. Because I'm God, and I'm faithful, notice, to you. Notice the first part of this verse in verse 8. Because the Lord loved you and would keep the oath to you. So God's not healing me because I did something just right or because I didn't make a mistake, or I crossed every T and dotted every I and and confessed the right thing every day of every week of every month for a year. He's healing me because He loves me and because He's faithful to me and to what He said. If you're married and you're faithful to your wife or your husband, it's because you're faithful to what you said when you stood before the minister and you said, I'm going to love you until death do I part from you. I'm faithful to what I said. So therefore, I'm faithful to the person that I'm married to. God is faithful to what he said. He said, I'm the Lord that heals you. He said, I'll take sickness from your midst. Oh, glory. And notice, he keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him, keep his commandments to a thousand generations. <clears throat> Verse 12 says, Wherefore, to come to pass, if you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, the Lord will keep unto you the covenant and the mercy that he swore unto your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. Bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, your corn, your wine, your oil, your increase of your kind. In the land they swear unto your fathers, and you shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord, here it is again, will take away from you all sickness and will allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you knew upon you, but will lay them upon all that hate you. One translation says he will preserve you from every sickness. That's what God said about himself. That's what God said he would do. There's nothing known that's not listed in every. But even if it's not known, it's listed in every. Glory to God. One translation says the Lord will keep you from having any kind of illness. So he'll heal me. If it's there, he'll take it. And now I see that he'll keep it from me. That's something I have to believe. I have to believe what God said about himself. Now, these are promises God made. But the promises, these promises contain something. And what they contain is the life of God. The the word of God has the ability to bring itself to pass. Because it's not just word, it's life. All right? The word of God speaks What the Word of God speaks concerning anything has the life of God within it to cause what He says to come to pass. All right, let's look over here at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and 12. 
For the word of God is quick and powerful. Now, quick. The word of God is quick. That, that word literally means to live or to be alive or a living thing. The word of God is living. It's alive. That's why Paul talked about you could either live in the life of the spirit or the deadness of the letter. Well, he wasn't talking about the word of God in the sense of uh, even the Old Testament. He was talking about the, the law, the things, the ordinances in the law. And notice here, it says the word of God is quick, it's living, it's alive. And then he says it's powerful. That word literally means at work or active. At work or active. So when someone says when they're believing God that the word of God is working in me now, it's, it's not an exaggeration. It's not something that's beyond comprehension according to the Word of God. If the Word of God is within you, it's working. Because it's living. It's alive. It's active right now. And so what God spoke over 4,000 years ago when he said, I'll take sickness from your midst and I'll keep it away from you. If God cannot pass away, and we know he can't, if God cannot cease to exist, his word is not void of power. After ever how long it was spoken. One translation says the word that God speaks is alive and active. So the word of God is actively working to bring life. Hallelujah. Right now, actively working to bring life. And, and, and there's, there's something so interesting is that nothing can stop that except me. And people say, yeah, my words can stop it, or your expectation. Because you act in line with your expectations, you can say the right thing and act the wrong way. But you will always go the, the way of your most recent expectation. Just the bottom line, that never changes. I can determine what anyone believes by what they're expecting. And I can determine what they're expecting by what they believe. Period. End of discussion. Because I have to understand that. If the Word of God is actively working in me right now, bringing life into me, all right, then I'm if I believe that, I'm expecting something. The Amplified Bible says the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. So it's not just life-giving, it's effective. It's affecting a change. So when you declare the Lord is my healer, that's not just a statement that we make because of what we believe, uh, because that's our denominational bent, Right? You know, sometimes those Word of Faith people, we're just as judgmental as everybody else. I mean, we run the Baptists down because, you know, they don't believe in healing. But <laughs> right there, I'm, I'm short-circuiting my ability to get healed because I'm out of love. That's, 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 see, that's the issue that we run into. Uh, it, this is not a denominational bent. This is what the Word says. 
Glory to God. And, and that's why many are sick. That's why many are, are struggling, is because not only wrong teaching, but, but because they, they have this idea, you know, that, well, we know this, and they don't know that, and poor old sad, silly, sorry them, you know, but at the same time, Paul said, Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians, he said, many are weak and sickly among you because they don't rightly discern the Lord's body. And what do you mean by that? Because people say, well, he meant the bread and the cup. That's part of it. But he was addressing all the strife and the lack of love in that body. And he said, you don't rightly discern the part of the body that you're a part of. And you're running your brother down and you're making it hard on them. And he said, for that reason, many among you are weak and sickly and some of them have died. If I don't understand that, See, that's what God said. All, all the promises of God are activated by faith. But all faith is activated by love. The Bible says faith works by love. It's the Greek word energio. And it means that all faith is energized. All faith is supplied for its power through the operation of it by love. Faith comes from the word, but faith operates by love. That's so vital. And so he says that the word is alive. The word is living. And notice what else it says. It says that healing is life. Sickness is death. Notice here in Proverbs 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, verse 20, he says, my son, attend to my words. Now notice he said, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings or my words. Let them, my words, not depart from your eyes. Keep them, my words, in the midst of your heart. Why? They are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Now again, we can, uh, a person can quote that as part of their daily confession, but miss what is being said. There's life in the Word. That produces what? Health to all my flesh. Is that what it said? We sh should we read it again? For they are life, what? My words. They are life to those that find them. And health, the word is medicine to all their flesh. Now that's what God said about his word. So it's a living thing that produces life and health to all my flesh. And, 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 and notice there, he keeps that health and life together. One translation says they will give health to their whole body. So the word gives life and healing. Life and healing go together. Glory to God. That's, that's imperative. Because it, it, it goes into how you answer and how you declare. All right? Because I've talked about this before, but, you know, my confession is not just me saying it enough times so that it'll finally work. The word confession, by definition, means to say the same thing. What God says, He doesn't say for no reason. And He says it a certain way for a reason. He said here, Attending to his words, inclining our ear to his words, not letting his words depart from our eyes or our heart. And he says, here's why. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. So this is not a positive confession. This is me saying the same thing God says. 
so that I can say, Lord, I've ingested your word, and your word is life to my flesh and health to my body. Now I'm saying the same thing God said. Amen. You know, we need to confess Scripture, but there, there's, no, there's no substitute for flipping through your Bible and finding the Scripture you're standing on and looking it up every day. Because I'm putting it in my heart. Well, you know, I got a card and I just printed out the Scripture. Yeah, but what's that mean to you? I mean, there's God, notice what he says. He says, they are life to them that find them. That's not just, I'm not just referring to looking up the scripture. I'm saying it has to be something that I am intentionally putting in me on a regular basis, not just confessing because it's my healing confession or my prosperity confession. There's life in the word. Brother Hagin said this one time. He said there's enough healing power in 1 Peter 2:24 to clear out every hospital and every sick room in every city in America. It's it's there. But see, my expectation has to be that the word is producing life and health, life, and health, they go together, glory to God, look at uh, John 6, I had a person one time say a very derogatory thing about me. They were mad at me, and uh, 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 they said, the word, the word, the word. All you do is say, what's the word say? Well, I mean, you, you got to understand something. I don't have any other lifeline. That's important. This, this is my life. That's it. That's what changed my life. Hallelujah. Because there's life in it. It's the life of God. In John 6, 63, Jesus, in speaking to the people that he was teaching, he said, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak unto you are spirit and are life. The words I speak to you are spirit and are life. So the word, notice, is spirit. Now, there's only one Greek word in the New Testament, the four Gospels, the New Testament for spirit. Only one Greek word, pneuma. And so I've got to tell from the context whether he's talking about the Holy Spirit or my spirit. Hallelujah. He says the word is spirit. Well, that word pneuma, it means life giving, life-giving, life-giving spirit, life-giving breath. So he says the word is life-giving. The word is life-giving, but it gives a specific kind of life. He says the word is life-giving spirit, and then he says it's life. That word life means life real and genuine. Now that can refer to eternal life, the Christian life, 
But then he uses a phrase that brings it to where we live at today, a life active and vigorous. Well, you know, if I'm not healed and well, I'm not going to be active and vigorous. That's what the Word produces. So when I'm hearing the Word, it's the life of God coming into me. The breath of God breathes on us through the Word. Bringing life and healing. So every time I'm under the word about the, any subject under consideration, the life of God that exists to bring that thing to pass is coming into me. I mean, how is your mind renewed? By the word. Why? Because your mind was just as dead as the rest of you. You were really a deadhead before you got saved. I know some Christians deadheads yet. <laughs> Nobody in here, of course. Praise God. You're all alive unto God. But, but the point is, the point is, what began to renew my mind? The Word of God. Well, how did it renew my mind? It began to bring the life of God. You didn't think right before you were born again. You were a sinner. You were incapable of thinking right. Amen. But when the life of God came in, it began to transform, right? That's what Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world. The, the, now, that literally means the world's way of thinking, this age, the system that we live in. Don't be conformed to that. The Greek says any longer. Why? You've been born again. You no longer think that way. Now, we can think that way, you know, that, that in just in terms of, of, of sin and ethical behavior and morality. But, folks, it's everything that the Word of God said. I renew my mind to line up with what God said about everything. Not just one thing, everything. There are people that live holier than most people uh, by accident. They live holier than most people do on purpose. But they believe, they believe every scripture that the Bible says about living right, living holy, and living clean. But they don't believe God will heal you. They don't believe God will prosper you. There are people that believe God will heal you and God will prosper you, but they put all that morality and holy living on the back burner. You can't do that. I got to believe everything that God said. And everything that God said brings the life to me to do it hallelujah I've run, I've run into people god bless them i love them but they'll sit in my office with their head in their hands i just can't overcome this certain thing i can't overcome this thing in my life yes you can because the life of god is in you to in the word to do it he said in romans 6 sin shall not have dominion over you that's what he said if he said that, the life is in that word to give me the victory over that. Hallelujah. So the breath of God breathes on us through the word, bringing life and healing. Notice here in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Hallelujah. Verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Man became a living soul. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The, the word breathed means to blow or to breathe out. <clears throat> the word breath, God breathed into his nostrils the breath. He blew, he breathed out. The word breath means spirit or breath. <clears throat> 
God breathed, God blew out the spirit. Now notice, man was formed. God formed man from the dust. Uh, dust is not a living substance. A, a form is not alive. There's a difference in the words, God formed man. Form is not alive. Man became a living soul. So before this breath, before this action, he was formed, but not a living soul. It's the Hebrew word nephesh. All right, to be living, to be alive. But notice when this occurred, after the breath of life. So man was formed, but he did not live until the life of God was placed within him. The life of God came through the breath of God. The Bible says in the four Gospels, in the genealogy of Jesus, when it traces it all the way back to Adam, it says, and Adam who was the son of God. Well, to be somebody's son, you have to have their DNA. Hmm. Well, did Adam have God's DNA? Yes, he did, because God breathed into him. The life of God came into Adam. Now, so the life of God came through the breath of God. Notice in 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. And verse 16. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All scripture. Well, that means that Exodus chapter 15 is given by the inspiration of God. I'm the Lord that heals you. Exodus 23, I'll take sickness away. Deuteronomy 7, I'll keep it away. Isaiah 53 and 5, by his stripes you are healed. 2 Peter, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes you were healed. Matthew chapter 8, 17 and 18, that it might be fulfilled that with his stripes you were healed. My son, attend unto my words, keep my sayings for their life and to those that find them and health to all their flesh. That means that is inspired by God. It's given by the inspiration of God. But the phrase inspiration of God, it's one word in the Greek. One word in Greek. And, and it is the, the one word in the Greek is theonoustos. Theo, God, noustos. All right? God breathed. Breathed by God. God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. Now see, we just hear that and we're like, yeah, praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I've heard that. Praise the Lord. It's all God breathed. Hallelujah. Then the life of God should be in you. If the scripture is God breathed, what happened when Adam was formed of the dust of the ground, and then God breathed into him. He became a living soul. Well, what happened to you when you were born again? You were dead. You were a form, but you were dead. But when the life of God came, when you confessed Jesus as your Lord, the life of God came into you. Hallelujah. Do you see that? So the life of God came through the breath of God. Well, the inspiration of God, the scripture given by the inspiration of God means God breathed. So when you partake of the scripture concerning any situation, it's just like in the very beginning when God breathed into Adam and brought life to that circumstance. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham became like God 
who does what? What's the first thing it says he does in Romans chapter 4? It says he became like God who does what? Quickeneth the dead. How does he quicken the dead? By calling things that be not as though they were. That's how he quickens the dead. It was only a matter of time for Sarah to be changed. She believed what God said. It was only a matter of time because the life of God was working in her. It's not a coincidence that the Bible tells us that, that, that their bodies were dead. They were dead. And what happened? They got the word. What's the word? God breathed. What is the word? Life to those that find it. Health to all their flesh. See, I got to really believe this. One translation says, every scripture seeing that it is God breathed. The Adams translation says, every scripture is breathed out by God. So if every scripture was breathed out by God, that means every scripture has the life of God in it. Let's look at John chapter 11. And uh, verse 20, when Jesus came to uh, Bethany, when Lazarus had died, he said, Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. But I know even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, there's something to consider here. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. So Jesus is the incarnate word. And notice what he says. I am, I am the word. I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, the life is here. And notice he says, if you believe that, you'll live, even though you were dead. Now, Understand something. People will say, well, see, I was dead in my trespasses and sins, so if you'll believe this, even though you're dead as a sinner, you'll live. Well, that's true because, because that's how it works. But what's the context of what he's talking about? She said, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Right? And Jesus said, wait a minute. I'm the life. And if you believe this, even though he's dead, he'll live. The emphasis, the emphasis, I want you to see this. The emphasis in these verses is on what Jesus said. He said, uh, whosoever liveth and believeth in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, of course, that's talking about eternity. But then in... uh, (laughs) Chapter 11 there, verse 40, he had said, take away the stone. And notice, she said unto him, by this time he stinks, for he has been dead four days. Now, there's something to consider. The Bible says that when you die, that you return to something. The dust from which you were formed. Is that right? We, we use the, the phrase at the graveside service, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, right? Well, it's just what it means. When, 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 when you die, 
the life-giving substance leaves. Because, Because your body right now is primarily dust. That's the primary makeup of your body. My, my body functions because of the pneuma on the inside of me. Now, I, I, right, every, every person in the, in the world, in, on the planet, has that life given to them by God. They think it's just the, the, the cardiovascular function. It's a life that was given to them by God. They don't have new life. They don't have eternal life. Oh, glory. So when, when, when I die, people say, well, you know, that, that person died. Well, I mean, they, we do in the sense that the body ceases to have any usefulness. But we don't ever die. We never die. We're eternal beings. Everyone is an eternal being. Everybody you know will live forever somewhere. But. The body goes back to the dust from which it was formed. Now, you say, why is this important? How long had Lazarus been dead? Four days. What had happened to his body? It had returned to dust. It was not useful anymore. It was was not living. Amen. But notice, then they took away the stone from the place, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. You've heard me. I know that you hear me always because the people that stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Notice this first phrase of verse 44. And he that was dead. Now, the only thing that changed, the only thing that happened here were words were spoken. He didn't lay hands on him. He didn't rebuke the spirit of death. It's important that we see this. He spoke words. Well, all he said was Lazarus come forth. Well, if you're dead four days to come forth, you got to be alive. And so there, there... There was enough life in the words, Lazarus come forth to destroy death that had held Lazarus for four days. That means ever how long you've dealt with what you're dealing with, there's enough life in the word of God to take it away. Because the life is in the word. Hallelujah. Glory. And uh, he was really dead. (laughs) But now he's really alive. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, which had been dead, who he raised from the dead. Now, Now think about this. But you read that, and now you have to factor in, how did he raise him from the dead? With his words with his words see so words are not just positive and negative words are carriers of life or carriers of death words are the determining factor I got got a few minutes I can take a a slight detour because because here's here's the thing I'll have people they'll come up to me and they'll say well now now you know I know what the word says and I've I've been staying with that but well the but right there and now, now hear what I'm saying about this. That's the expectation. They'll say, I've been reading this and I know what the word says, but. Well, the but tells me what has your attention. Right? Well, it's a beautiful day, but it's humid. So that means the humidity has your attention. Well, you know, everything's going good, but well, you're about to tell me what has your attention. 
well, I believe I'm healed, but, now wait a minute. You, you see, you're about to say what has your attention. I believe I'm healed, but I still have, then you're telling me what has your attention. Right? So we'll make statements and say, well, I'm healed in spite of how I feel. That's true. That's, that's absolutely true. But here's the thing that you won't find in the Scripture. It never tells you to talk about how you feel. It tells you to talk about what God said. That doesn't mean we deny how we feel. But that's not the focus. Well, I believe I'm healed, but I'm still short of breath. That has the focus. And so that shortness of breath feeling is working against the life of the word because you're saying something that you have a license to say. If I, if I, why does the word of God spoken out of my mouth affect me? And people will say, because I believe it. Because you have a right to say what you want to say about you. You're the establishing witness. What everybody else says about me means nothing. It's what I say about me. Do, do you see this? And so when somebody says, well, I believe God, but I'm still this. then that cuts off the life of God because you said you were still the other. Isn't it interesting that the Bible doesn't say you'll have what the Bible says? It says you'll have what you say. Well, I believe it's in the Bible. I have to have it. Oh, wrong answer. Completely wrong answer. It can be in the Bible and you not have it. Because you gotta, you got to believe it. Jesus said, if anyone will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. 